Are you ready? It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Cheers, everyone. On a uh, late Wednesday night recording for us here. Uh, Work's kind of gotten in the way at this point of getting things rolling early, huh, Tom? Absolutely. Uh, We've got a full card tonight. Tom, why don't you give us a rundown on it? Yeah, we are going to talk a little bit about the weekend. We're going to talk about the NBA playoffs, check in there, talk about the PGA Tour Championship this weekend. We're going to talk about some NHL playoffs, kind of see what's going on there. We're going to preview some college football action this weekend. Probably have a couple bets for you, so stay tuned to that. We're going to have the UFC Fight Night preview. Just kind of announced a big addition to that card. And then we're going to get to see the AFC and NFC West. And that'll be it. But this should be a fun show. Of course, next weekend, next week we'll have a full slate of college games, full slate of NFL. It's time. Oh, yeah. Let's kick it off. PGA recap. Uh, the BMW Championship. What can you at say? Olympia Fields, right? The greatest ending probably I've How seen much in fun. so long. Uh, you got Dustin Johnson making what a thirty-something footer to send it to um, match play there. A playoff, uh, playoff action, yeah. And then in the playoff action, Dustin Johnson hits a ball okay, and then Rom hits is not as good, and you're like, oh okay, just, we'll probably just both two putt move yeah. on. And Ron buries a 66-footer, a meandering 66-footer to, to win it. He seems to have a, a knack for doing that now. He got a, a big win earlier in his career in similar fashion. So, and I can't remember what event it was, probably a month ago, six weeks ago. I was watching Rom, and he does a great job with that lag putting game so he's always got a chance to roll those in yeah. he does a tremendous job he, he's as far as i'm concerned he's probably the best on tour at those long putts and really getting them into kick-in range so uh but the field it struggled in a tough yeah. on a tough course it they, was nice to watch they, they eased it up a little bit on sunday for tv almost like yeah. they, they chose a couple different hole locations that they that weren't planned trying to give people something to watch because it was a grind for par. Yeah. Uh, some really uh, high scores. <laughs> yeah. It was fun to watch, though. I really enjoyed it. You and ended up with the number one and number two player in the world in a playoff. Yeah. That's I crazy. mean, and a lot of times that tells you how well a course was set up. It was tough, but it was fair. And yeah. now heading into this weekend, it'll be fun to watch. Kind of yeah. see the top see 30 the, players. Yep. Yeah, there are only 30 or left. Uh, to try and win the FedEx Cup so in this strange season that we've had. All right, so we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, first, we're talking about the UFC card from last week. Uh, you know, uh, struggled a little bit with some people being uh, removed from the card. Oh, no, that was two weeks ago. Um, you had the big one, Alexander Rakic and Anthony Smith. And I have to say, I was very disappointed with the effort from Anthony Smith there. As somebody who was a fan, thought he was a good bet at 235, plus 235. It didn't seem like... The, I mean, we've seen Anthony Smith yelling at opponents in breaks. Oh, do you remember my name now? Do you know my name now? And, that, and this, he just didn't have that fire in this fight. Yeah, and 
Rakic has to do more if he wants to be considered one of the top in the organization as well because, again, Dana White's not happy with those kind of performances. No. He does not want to see somebody held down without enough effort to without, finish. Yes, without the damage and effort. Uh, Use your wrestling. That's awesome. You know, take guys down, control them, but you got to be looking to advance. you got to be looking to finish. Yeah. Instead, Rakic was content to hold him there and take periodic pot shots throughout the course of the fight, never really putting Smith in danger of being finished. Yeah. And that's just not how we go about it if you want to be a superstar in, in right. MMA. And also very disappointing for the fact that both these guys have a chance. Light heavyweight has never been more wide open. Obviously, Cormier moved up to heavyweight and has now uh, rode off into the sun. John Jones vacated the title, moved out of that division. I mean, you you got to think if one of you has an impressive performance here, you're standing in line with a ticket for a title shot, but neither of them did. Neither of them wanted it. And, you know, if Rakic takes him down, controls him early, and even waits until, like, round two to get more aggressive on the ground and try and finish him, that's one thing. But he never it took it to that next level. He yeah. just continued to take him down to keep himself out of danger of Anthony Smith. Uh, and that was, you know, it's a strategy to win the fight. If you don't think that it was worth it at this point, if you ask me, this was the, the perfect opportunity for him to try it. To, yeah. to take a risk, you know, because if you if you get caught and you lose, or you make a mistake and you lose, but you were dominant early in the fight, you're not going to set your career back nearly as far as being boring and then going out and losing your next fight against someone. Yeah, people are going to lose interest in seeing you. You're not going to want. They're not going to want you headlining cards. Yeah, he did a little damage with the calf kick. You know, your favorite yeah. early on, and that seemed to really bother Anthony Smith. He got him to the ground. And then, like you said, he just he was content. Some body shots, you know, he did land a few, but nothing uh, to put Anthony. Anthony Smith was never in danger. I thought actually Anthony Smith came closest to finishing it when he was going for a couple of submissions, yeah. um, which were even those were like half-hearted token attempts. Yeah. Uh, so it was a little frustrating to watch that fight. Neil Magny did a great job of wrestling against Robbie Lawler. Uh, Robbie Lawler's still a scary puncher, but you know it seems like if you can get into him and get him to the ground and he doesn't have any keep him clean he can't first off he can't keep himself off the ground oh that's one of the biggest problems is yeah if you're going to be a knockout puncher you better learn how to keep people off you yeah look at chuck liddell when he was crushing people you could not take that man down and if you got him down as soon as his ass touched the canvas he was climbing back up uh he would rather take two punches on the way back up than stay down because sure i can get hit and maybe they'll knock me out but at least I got a chance to be in the fight. If I'm just going to sit here on the ground, I got nothing. Right. I mean, we make it sound so easy, but... Exactly. Four takedowns for Magni in that fight. Some of it's just bad strategy on guys' behalf and, yeah. and bad preparation. So, uh, a little disappointing to see some of that. The card, it, as a whole, kind of disappointed me a little bit. Um, I did I did get the win with Zach Cummings. Um, yeah. You know, but that was about all the success we had over the weekend last week. Um, but I thought that he was going to be the better fighter there, and he won a, a unanimous decision. Yeah, he looked pretty good. comfortably. Yeah. So, onward, Tom. Onward. We're going to talk about a little NBA playoff action, and they have been great lately. Uh, what a game last night! If you missed it, I apologize. Denver and Utah game seven was crazy. Uh, the the Jazz. So Denver goes up two with about twenty seven seconds left. The Jazz have the ball. They turn it over, and the Nuggets, for some crazy reason, rush out and try to get a layup. 
miss it and give the, the Jazz the ball right back with a chance to win it. And they get a look at a three. Mike Conley takes it. It goes in and out. Like, yeah. Just crazy. Like, pull it out, get get fouled, hit your free throws. But, no, they went for it. I think that's a sign of a young team. Uh, but they survived, and we'll move on to play the Clippers. And they looked like they were in trouble in that series, down 3-1. Yeah. Uh, I think I read, what, only the 14th team to in NBA yeah, history to come lot. back from 3-1. So pretty pretty impressive effort by that group. Jamal Murray kind of spearheading that effort. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. Jokic made a couple big balls last night. Um, tonight, another Game 7, Houston Rockets versus OKC. Uh, should be very interesting. I was amazed at Chris Paul the other day in Game 6. Yeah. I cannot believe how good he still is. I know. Um, you know, at his age, at that position especially, you would think there'd be some more falling back to the pack as far as talent, but he's he's hitting big threes, he's talking trash, he's making guys miss, getting guys wide open looks. Uh, super impressed with him. And I think the Rockets are, you know, it's down to one game, and that whenever it's like that, you're in trouble. And I think the Rockets, after losing the last one, kind of on the ropes. Yeah, no question. And, you know, they have so much skill on the offensive side. I don't like the narrative that I've heard. Uh, surrounding, you know, Westbrook and being his fault or, you know, the guy's coming back off of an injury and I'm I'm not a fan of the way that that uh, kind of played out in the media afterwards. So um, I have a feeling that there, there's a really good chance that Westbrook is very motivated tonight and uh, should be really exciting to watch. Um, I'm just checking here. I'm looking at some... Uh, yeah, I mean, NBA I can't wait to see that game. I, I think that uh, it'll be great to turn on and kind of watch as I drift off to sleep. Uh, the Heat and Bucks are playing right now, and the Heat have a small lead in the fourth quarter. Is there, they're trying to go up 2-0 on the Bucks tonight. Celtics have already gone 2-0 on the Raptors in the Eastern Semis. The West, of course, haven't got started yet because all those are going much deeper into the series. They're much more competitive in most of those series. Um, so we'll keep an eye on it. If uh, Miami can go up two up on Milwaukee, it would be a little surprise. Milwaukee cruised through the regular season. Miami is uh, built for the playoffs, and I think they're the best coached team in basketball. Eric Spolster continues to show his uh, ability to, to lead that organization to yeah. success, and it's yeah. been it's been very impressive what they've been doing. Um, that game was, was getting late as we speak. I flipped over to the hockey game with the Avalanche Stars game, which is... Uh, currently 1-1 at the end of the first period and let's see James Harden tonight over uh, this is an interesting thing right over under points rebounds assists total right mm-hmm. 49 and a half so combining those three statistical three. areas 49 and a half what's the over at huh 49 and a half is the for the game itself yeah, what's the what is it if I bet over what am I getting plus one plus, minus 115 ah yeah because I I was, I mean, he can score 40 points. Yeah. He has the ability. I mean, you would think he's got to be between 25 and 30 most nights here. Yeah. So all you need is 20. I'm going to actually play Russ Westbrook with his points, rebounds, assists total. Yeah. Um, over 33. Yeah, I, I, think that, I think that Westbrook's going to bounce back with a big one tonight. He kind of needs to for them to, to really win that game and move on. All right, well, let's talk some some more golf. The Tour Championship is at East East Lake, uh, which is 
a very uh, storied golf course there. They play it seemingly every year. Every year for the Tour Championship, yeah. Let me take a look at the odds for the, the Tour Championship this weekend. Um, your odds to win. Um, and we should, before you give the odds, in case you're not, not aware, this, this golf tournament's a little different. So they give the, they give the leader in the FedEx standings, he starts at minus 10. So Dustin Johnson's going to start at minus 10. Number two starts at minus 8, and so on. They spread them out a little bit. Only 30 golfers are, are invited. Uh, so it's a short, shorter field. Less likely of a lot of movement because you do get, uh, you know, when you get to the guys who are at the back end, the 26 through 30, you're 10 strokes behind the leader to start. Yeah. It's a huge advantage for them. No question about it. And uh, odds to win, you know, Reasonably as Dustin Johnson favored at plus 165, uh, John Rahm at plus 260, and Justin Thomas at plus 500. Yeah. Followed by Webb Simpson at plus 1,000, Colin Morikawa at plus 1,600. Then you've got three players at plus 2,000 DeChambeau, McElroy, and Berger. Yeah, and it, it would be tough to bet on McElroy for this event. It seemed like he was getting close to leaving last week. Uh, I imagine he's probably not going to finish this week as he's awaiting his first child to be born here. Yeah. It'd be tough to bet money on a guy. Stay away from Rory this week. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, and and do you have the starting numbers for everyone, Tom? I don't know how the... It goes 10, 8, 6, and then... Then then they're groups. It's grouped up after that, right? Yeah. So it's hard to make to-win selections based on that. Yeah. But, like, top five... Minus five fifty for Dustin Johnson to stay in the top five. <laughs> like you can't play that. You can't. No. I mean, if he has a bad week, it's very easy to slip out of the top five. Yeah. Um, what about success historically at East Lake, Tom? Oh, have you, have you taken the a look best at golfers in the world? So when you look at the Tour Championship, so let's just go back from now to twenty fifteen. You have Rory, you have Tiger, Xander Shoffley, Rory, Jordan Spieth, and twenty fifteen when he was unbeatable. Yeah. Um, so it really is just the best golfers are winning. Billy Horschel, Henrik Stenson, I mean, even going further back, Phil Mickelson twice, Tiger again, Adam Scott. So you, you really have, I mean, obviously with only the 30 best players there. Right. So I'd be interested to see. Billy Horschel's had some success there. He's playing some really strong golf right now, and he's plus 1,500 to get in the top five. Um, so for me... Over the course of four days, if you play well, despite the handicap that you're beginning with, it's very feasible to move up 20 positions into the top five. Yeah. I mean, even he even has even better, where is he, plus 375 just to get to the top 10. Yeah. It's not bad. Right. So, you know, that to me is the kind of play that I'm going to make. Billy Horschel is going to be my play this weekend in that event. Give me Billy Horschel top five and top 10. So, um, We'll get plus three seventy five and plus fifteen hundred. So yeah, I was looking at this too, and I my my bet's gonna be Patrick Reed. It's not a huge one. It's plus one fifty to be top ten, but he's sitting there at like thirteen. So he's not yeah. that far off. You you have a guy ahead of him in Rory McIlroy, who again we we don't think he's gonna finish the tournament. So he only needs to pass a couple of guys right um, to get in there. So I like that one. And you want Horsel for top five and top ten. That's a combination of past success and the fact that, again, you have four days to make up some of that ground. Right. And 
you know, some guys are firing right now. Other guys aren't necessarily firing right now and been kind of riding some good success they had earlier. Um, I mean, Hideki Matsuyama had a great week last week. Uh, overall, I haven't been overly impressed with his performance. Uh, he's a guy that I can see going backwards. Harris English is a guy I can see going backwards. So there's plenty of names there that you can see struggling yeah. uh, to back up. Sebastian Munoz, Scotty Scheffler, Joaquin Neiman. These are all names that are ahead of Horschel. Shambo's kind of interesting at plus, uh, top five. He's plus 200, and he's sitting just outside the top five right now. He's seventh. So yeah. he's just outside. He only has to pass a couple of guys, and at plus two hundred, it's that's not a, a small return. Right. No, that's a, that's probably a nice play too. I like that one, Tom. Yeah. So I'll go read into Shambo. Shambo top five. Read top ten. Give me uh, Horschel for top five and top ten. Yep. And Daniel Berger, uh, top five, top ten as well. Man, you're riding the Berger train. I am. For both again? Yeah. You know, pick a guy and go for it. When Daniel Burr gets hot, he's as tough as anybody on the PGA Tour. All right. Um, so one of the things about this tournament is Sunday's always great. Uh you know, Thursday, Friday, it's kind of sorting itself out. Who's going to get themselves in a position to make a run? The leader, really, Dustin Johnson, as good as he's been playing, has a chance to run away with it Thursday and Friday and put it away. But if he doesn't and people are able to gain ground, um, it can be a lot of fun on Sunday. There's a lot on the line. The FedEx money is insane. Uh, the, the stuff you get with it is pretty nice. So it'll always, it'll always be a very fun tournament to end with there. Yeah. Absolutely. Should be a lot of fun. All right. We're ready to talk hockey. Yeah. Let's talk some hockey. Unfortunately, my Boston Bruins went down in five games. Yep. Um, and I'm just going to give a quick complaint about <laughs> this. Because the, the situation they went through as the team that had the most points in hockey um, going into the, the COVID shutdown, you come out and you got to play a three-game round robin your goalie seems like he's disengaged completely and then leaves your team halfway through the first round. Yeah, it was a bad situation. I, I should have really just reduced my expectations yeah. as a fan at that point. You've got a guy that's probably going to win the Vesna Trophy or absolutely be in the discussion to win the Vesna Trophy. And, you know, he, he, he walks away from the team at this point. So, Yeah, I mean, tough. It's, a, it's a tough situation. You know, you like to give people the benefit of the doubt, but to see him walk away and say that, you know... I just need to be with my family. Maybe he made the decision too late to really uh, help them out. Uh, the other series in the East, the Islanders are up three games to two on the Flyers. Uh, that series seems like it's destined for uh, some pretty legendary stuff towards the end. They've been really going at it. Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's been a fun series thus far. Um, you know, the Islanders have, have really played great hockey, and the Flyers had struggled to score. Yeah. Uh, save for one game in the series uh, going into last night, right? Mm-hmm. Now we're now we're looking at a, a long series here. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to watch the finish of that series. Yeah, game six should be really interesting. And right now we've got Avalanche and Stars tied at one after one going to uh, in game six now. So um, the Avs are trailing in that series three to two. And we have some breaking news. Yeah. 
Leonard Fournette, after being cut from the Jaguars and clearing waivers, is now joining Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Well, that is quite an addition. Yes, absolutely. Uh, that backfield, I mean, uh, we were talking a little bit before about how terrible it's got to be to be holding this Leonard Fournette ticket in fantasy and see him get cut, and you're just like, where is he going to end up? Is he going to be playing second fiddle? I think he's going to walk right in and be the starter. Uh, I would imagine uh, there's no one there that I would think is better than him. Uh, so getting him to run the ball, Tom Brady to throw play action off of it with all those wide receivers just makes that offense a little scarier. Yeah, I uh, have my concerns now <laughs> for anybody that's facing that Tampa team. Yeah. Uh, you've got a power running back that's going to take the handoff, head downhill, just absolutely lay the way. And I love some of those offensive linemen, particularly Ali Marpat, yeah. uh, who's uh, went to school right here in, in central New York at Hobart. And, um, you know, to, to watch that offensive line, just they're going to try to bury those guys downhill with Fournette. And then you've got one of the I mean, the GOAT, playing quarterback. So back to hockey. Dallas Stars are up 3-2 in the series. The game is tied 1-1 and the end of the first. And the Vegas Golden Knights are up 3-2 on the Canucks. Uh, so, again, two deep series there. Uh, they will play game six tomorrow um, after the Flyers-Islanders game six. So Thursday night should be a decent night of hockey. Yeah, Absolutely. What do we got? What else do we got coming up here? Tonight? Next, we have what we've been waiting for: a little college football gambling life. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, as we're uh, as we're doing that, um, I'm looking at the first game that I'm going to be making a wager on, which I've already I've already placed my my wager on the game. Um, Southern Miss uh, is going to be going at it tomorrow, laying 13 points. 13 and a half. Well, I, oh, I got it at thirteen earlier. Oh, so nice, nice. <laughs> I like, I like it when that happens. So, <laughs> um, yeah, they lay thirteen. They're playing um, South Alabama. South Alabama, and they return a good number of players on this team, including their starting quarterback Jack Abraham, and four of their five offensive linemen. Uh, they also are returning two wide receivers. So on the offensive side of the ball, I think that they're going to be in a really nice place. Uh, they've got to kind of figure out who's going to play running back for them, but I think they've got some guys that, that'll do all right. And, um, you know, this is Jay Hobson's their head coach there. He's 28 and 22 in four years. And, um, you know, I feel like they're, they're a team that's trending in the right direction. And I'm really excited to kind of see, you know, what they can do. They, by the way, uh, their top ten, one, one of their top ten recruits, is a running back by the name of Frank Gore Jr. Yeah, his dad might be somebody important. Yeah, maybe he has an idea or two about <laughs> running the football. Then, so, uh, so that game's very interesting. I, I think I'm on the same side as you here. We talked a lot about um, Southern Miss during our college football preview. They're really primed to make a run in in conference, and South Alabama just has not been good out of conference. Um, one in five last year, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, not any good. And you know, it's I, I feel like this is a pretty I'm a pretty confident wager on this one, laying the thirteen. It, you know, it, it's hard before you have any body of work. This is all about like who do you, what do you trust here? Um, right. You know, is it is this going to be a similar team to what we saw the year before? Uh, as you look at South Alabama, 
Um, they had some some really poor quarterback play. They averaged 18.4 points per game last season. Um, Southern Miss can score the ball. They're going to have a hard time keeping up. Um, you know, and they've got to figure out who's going to play quarterback. So, um, it'll, it, it, I don't I don't like South Alabama at all going into this game. Yeah, the next one, I from a gambling standpoint, I'm not a big fan. UAB minus 19 and a half against Central Arkansas. You got an FCS school playing yeah. against uh, UAB, who lost a lot going into this season. Um, so I think it's it's tough to really get a, a good gauge on that. Nineteen and a half is a lot. Central Arkansas did get into the red zone a ton last week, but couldn't score. Um, I think that that's going to regress back and will lead to the over in this game at forty-eight and a half. I think they will finish some of those drives, some of those yeah. opportunities. They should have scored a lot more points than they did last week. And then three games on Saturday, uh, we have the Memphis Tigers hosting the Arkansas State Red Wolves. Memphis minus 19 at home. Yeah. Um, You know, Memphis, they just had a big opt-out. Yeah. Um, They're starting running back, who is a draft prospect. I can't recall his last name right off off the top of my head. Um, You've got uh, Coach Blake Anderson uh, coming back. you know, they're looking to be... They had Junior Logan Bonner through 10 touchdown passes in four games before he injured his hand last season. Um, then another guy stepped in, Lane Hatcher, uh, who was a transfer from Alabama. He passed for 2,946 yards and 27 touchdowns and won Freshman of the Year honors. Their quarterback situation seems pretty good. Um, they did lose the SEC, the Sun Belt Player of the Year, Um so and and Kirk Merritt was another um, Sun Belt Conference receiver, uh, all Sun Belt Conference yeah. receivers. Kenneth so. Gainwell was the running. Kenneth back Gainwell, team. yeah, from Memphis. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the next one we have uh, Texas State hosting SMU Mustangs. The Bobcats are plus twenty two and a half at home. Any interest in that one? No, no, I agree. I think SMU's clearly the better team they don't you don't get pull minus 22 and a half or nothing on the road especially yeah but that spreads high i haven't you know again it's 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 tough to lay huge ones when you haven't seen any of the teams really play yet right for the season uh the next one's not as big we have army uh hosting middle tennessee state army is minus three yeah so you know army returns uh one two three four five six six starters on offense um but of those, it, also with those six starters is going to be a quarterback uh, by the name of Jabari Laws who got plenty of opportunity on the field last year. He rushed for like 484 yards, averaging 6.4 per carry. I like that they have three returning offensive linemen, um, and they've got a senior fullback that's really good. Sandon McCoy is his name. And then they're returning seven starters on the defensive side of the ball as well. So... I do like some of the stuff that I see for Army coming back this season. Um, you know, Jeff Munkin is, is the head coach there, and he's done a tremendous job. They they had a little bit of a struggle last season. Their offense wasn't quite what it had been. Um, but I think they're, they're poised to kind of start the climb back up again. Yeah, I mean, they lost to, by three at Michigan. So yeah. they're, they're clearly a tough team. Uh, a lot of close losses if you look at it and then some blowout wins towards the end of the year until they ran into a hot Navy team. So. Yeah, and uh, they're playing, uh, they're minus three against uh, Middle Tennessee, Middle Tennessee and they're playing uh, at home. Is yes. That, is that going to be in 
Yeah, so Middle Tennessee is an interesting program because they've had a lot of success in recent years. Um, let me just see if I can get them pulled up here. I just want to take a look at some of their returning starters. Uh, let's see here. Maybe you can get it a little quicker than I can, Tom. I'm not sure. I'm limited by my uh, technology here. <laughs> um, but Middle Tennessee State has had a great offense for a number of years, including uh, one that was led by the, the coach's son for a few years. Let's see. Oh, I've got him here. Um, so last year, Asher O'Hara took over um, as the Middle Tennessee quarterback. Um, he rushed for 1,000 yards, and but no one else could run the ball on that team. Um, they do get West Virginia transfer Martel Petaway and Florida State transfer Amir Rasul um, as running backs now. So O'Hara had a solid season. Um, hopefully he can continue to develop for this program. When you look at the returning starters that they have on that team, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six offensive returning starters, but only three returning starters on defense. One advantage that they have is they have all kinds of time to prepare for the option. Having, I think that having a service academy or one of these option-based teams uh, in the early part of the season, particularly coming off a bye week or your first game of the year, gives you an opportunity to be more prepared for it. I'm just not sure it's going to matter because I think that Army is so well-versed in what they do on the offensive side. I think I might lean... I think I'm going to lean towards the under in that game. What's that number look like, Tom? The under is 55 and a half. I'm leaning under in that game right now because you've got a team that had all kinds of time to prepare for Army, and then you've got a team in Army that returns plenty of starters on the defensive side of the ball. Plus, you've got Army who runs the ball like crazy. They're going to use a lot of clock. If Middle Tennessee can stay disciplined and not give up a ton of big runs... We could see this game tick, 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 and uh, stay under the 55 and a half. So let's play Army, Middle Tennessee, under 55 and a half. All right. So I have a big um, feeling about the next game. So I'll get that started. It's Navy, plus one and a half, hosting BYU. Uh, Kevin and I had talked about Navy before. They, you know, they're losing the big quarterback to your Miami Dolphins. Yeah. Uh, maybe having a little hard time replacing that, whereas BYU is returning a ton of players to their roster. Um, Fifteen starters are coming back for BYU, uh, so they're going to be pretty good to go to start the season. They're only, they're only minus one and a half. I'm going to take them to cover that. I don't think that should be very difficult. I think maybe, you know, they're tough. They're going to keep it close, but for the same concept, BYU has all this time to get ready for the option. They're going to be ready for it. They've, they're going to have tons of tape, and I think Navy's going to have a hard time finding who's the new guy and getting that person ready to go. Yeah, and they're they're going to be a, a very well prepared program. That's that's what they do. You know, they they prepare themselves very well. Um, so I, I think that BYU in this situation is a nice play. I, I'm a little concerned about the loss of of the big tight end. Um, you know, that just happened um, where he will not be partaking in the season. Um, his name's Matt Bushman, and uh, he's, a, he's a great player. But Zach Wilson is very good at quarterback. And uh, returning four starters up front, uh, going to need to find some playmakers on the outside. Um, but I think they'll be able to make something work there. 
Um, and on the defensive side of the ball, returning, you know, six starters, seven seven starters really are back. Um, so I think that you're going to see a team that's going to be well prepared for that game. I, I like the play, Tom. I'm with you. All right. So that'll be it. There's some some little college football to to look at. Let's uh, let's talk about the UFC card coming up. Kevin. Let's do that right after a quick break. What okay. do you say? Absolutely. We're gonna we're gonna take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about the UFC card, and uh, then we'll talk a little football and uh, get you guys out of here. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner looking to ramp up your online presence? Websites, social media, video, and more? Line Global can either do it for you, show you how to do it yourself by doing it with you, or completely run your entire online footprint. And we guarantee a 200% ROI or you don't pay us to help you. Get a free 30-minute strategy session to increase your business's revenue at lionglobal.com. That's lionglobal.com. And we are back, and thanks again to our sponsors at Lion Global and all the work they do. That's Lion L Y O N Global dot com. Uh, Tom and the team over there do a great job with what they do. So um, please reach out if you have any uh, anything that you need help with your digital marketing, uh, websites, anything like that. These guys are the best at it. So um, appreciate their support as always. And you guys can see it in the presentations of our live shows that we do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, he, if, without Tom working on that, we wouldn't be able to put it together. Um, you know, and I want to take a moment to, again, thank um, my fiance Stephanie, for the uh, Hammered Sports logo and the gear that she supplies us with. So um, without those guys, we wouldn't be able to do everything that we're, we're doing here. So um, onward with the show, yeah. and let's start with the UFC this weekend. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, so you have a couple big fights at the top of the card now. Uh, the main event, Alistair, Demolition Man Overeem versus Augusto Sakai. Um, heavyweight bouts are always fun to watch. I mean, I think that's the, a, a given. Uh, you have a couple of big guys, 6'4", 265, 6'3", 265 in these two. Um, Sakai's an up-and-comer, 15-1-1. One one. Uh, he's got a, a few nice wins under his belt. It, it is a bit of a step up to fight Overeem. Uh, but Overeem's been all really kind of up and down this, uh, late in his career here. He's been fighting for forever, pretty much. So, Yeah, and, I mean, Augusto Sakai uh, looks like a guy that is doing what he needs to do to move up the ranks in the heavyweight division. But, like you said, this this step up in class is where it kind of make makes or breaks the direction of his career, right? Yeah. Um, either he goes back to, you know, kind of fighting, you know, mid-level fighters... Or he takes the leap up to fight somebody with a name that you're really familiar with. Now, get, make no mistake, his wins recently over Blagoy Ivanov, Marcin Tabora, Andre Arlovsky, and Chase Sherman, those are good wins. Right. Those are guys that are... I mean, Arlovsky's been around and fought everyone. Yeah. That Arlovsky fight, I remember, was... Uh, Arlovsky was, like, trigger shy. Yeah. Like he, he wasn't pulling the trigger, really wasn't throwing... Any kicks, which used to be kind of his thing, he'd set up punches with kicks. Didn't really do that. Um, his his lone loss comes in a uh, split decision loss to Czech Congo in 2017, and we've mentioned Czech Congo before. Uh, for anyone who's who's never seen Czech Congo fight, pretty scary guy. Yeah, 
he's he's a nasty dude, and um, he's had some sick finishes, including a crazy head kick finish. Yeah. I'm pretty sure wasn't it Czech Congo that um, had the nasty head kick finish over. Uh, what was the dude's name that had always had the head kick finishes from Miko Krokop? Oh yeah, Krokop. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that he head kicked Krokop. Yeah. Uh, Czech Congo also was in this crazy fight where he looked like he was completely finished, wobbly then, as yeah. all get out, and then he pulled out a, a victory, you know, with a knockout of his own. So that he's somebody that you should go back and watch some of his fights yeah. if you're not familiar with him. Um, anyways, you know, he he got a win over Sakai. Sakai has never been finished. Um, he lost that split decision, and he had a majority draw. Um, he also doesn't get a ton of knockouts. Um, you know, he's got uh, two knockouts in his last four fights since he stepped up to the UFC level. And then Overeem is just, he's fought everybody. He's beat most of them. Uh, his, he's 3-1 and one in his last four, so a little bit of a, I don't know if you want to call it a resurgence, but uh, a TKO win of Alexi Olenek is not a... Uh, short thing that should be shrugged off, and also his last fight, he had a TKO win in the second round of Walt Harris, where Walt Harris uh, just couldn't couldn't stop the onslaught, and he definitely still has that power. And he, I saw an old fight of his t- earlier today, and to see the difference in his body, oh yeah, from the time he started to where he's yeah. at now, he he was fighting at middleweight in Pride at yeah. 185, and now he's. Who's 65? Yeah, the guy is humongous. Cuts weight to make the heavyweight limit. Dangerous. Always dangerous. And um, I'm, you know, as much as I'd like to see Augusto Sakai continue to develop his career, I think that I'm going to lean towards Overeem to win that fight. Um, He is favored at minus 150 in this fight. Yeah. That's a fight I'll, I'll, again, a big Overeem guy. I like all the old school guys. That's where I started liking UFC and mixed martial arts in general. So, but I'll probably stay away from that one. But the co-main event, however, is a fight that's been added back after Alonzo Menafield had tested positive for coronavirus. Was it St. Prue that tested positive or Menafield? It was, Men- it was Menafield. Was it? Yeah. So he's back. Minus 135 against Owen St. Prue. Uh, should be a very interesting fight. We had talked about it before. And I, I selected St. Prue then, yep. and I'm still on St. Prue now, and you can get him at plus 105. I think his experience and uh, some of his creativeness, um, being you know the captain of the Von Flu joke, yeah. um, which if you're not too familiar with it, it looks like you're in a looks like you're in a guillotine, and you <laughs> actually grab a hold of the guy's head and turn it into almost like an arm triangle from being in. <laughs> the yeah. guillotine situation. So um, he's the only guy to get finishes in the UFC with the Von Flu choke, and it's pretty awesome to watch. He's done that, I think, three times. Yeah, he's done that exactly. Um, so I'm. I also think Saint Pru is. Uh, he, he's just so good. Menafield's up and coming. It'll be. That's what makes this fight fun. But well, I think Saint Pru's been there, done that. He tried a little bit of heavyweight. Realized those guys are too big for him. Back down to light heavyweight. Yeah. Uh, another one, and this one's again not a gambling bet, but to target for DraftKings. Brian Kelleher was slated to fight Ricky Simon. Simon has been removed, and Kevin Natavad is going to make his UFC debut on short notice against Brian Kelleher, who is a very solid fighter. Um, I think Kelleher should pour on the points on poor Kevin. And he's Kevin. minus 220 in the yeah. fight, so it's not a wager fight. It's just yes. one you're going to want to use. You're going to want to use that one. Here's one um, that I am willing to wager on, and that's Otman Azatar. 
This guy is 12 and 0 with 11 finishes, nine knockouts, two submissions, fighting Kama Worthy, who's also a knockout artist. Um, Kama Worthy is 16 and 6 and has fought the better competition, but I am going to take my chances on the uh, less experienced up and comer in Azatar here at plus 105. So uh, let's take a shot. Otman Azatar. Yeah, anything else that uh, either gambling or just fight wise jumps out at you, Kev? Yeah, Michael Pereira. Uh, we looked yep. at this earlier. He's fighting Zalim Imadayev. And uh, Michael Pereira has fought uh, the same fighter as Imadayev in Danny Roberts. And is it Danny Rock? Is that what his name was? No. Uh, hold on. Who was I, it? I think we just looked at this like a half hour ago. Wasn't it? I, I thought it was. Uh, let's take a quick look. Don't mind us as we do our background research here. Yeah. Danny yeah, Roberts. He knocked You're out right. Danny Roberts. Um, so Pereira knocked out Danny Roberts, mm-hmm. um, while his opponent, opponent Imadai, have lost to Danny Roberts. Was knocked out by Danny um, Roberts. Also, Pereira's last fight was in February against Diego Sanchez. He was dominating the fight, looked to be under control in the, and, third, round, in the third round, and was disqualified for a knee to the head of Diego Sanchez. A little controversial in that people thought that Sanchez kind of milked it a little bit so that he didn't have to continue. Because he um, knew he was going to lose a decision. Like, to me, I think that's going to just light a fire under him. Yeah. Uh, I think Pereira's going to be excited. I'll bet he trained his tail off for this fight. And uh, I'm excited. I, I think the Pereira, he's minus 115 in this fight. And, uh, you know, he's well-rounded. 10 TKO, 6 submissions. Um, you know, he's his losses all come via decision. He's got, yeah. he's got a couple of um, he's got the one other, and he's got one TK and one submission out of uh, 34 professional fights. So uh, he's a tough guy, hard to finish. I like his chances in this fight. Yeah, I think we talked about that. We're both going to be on Pereira to, um, Saturday night. All those reasons you just said, I think he's just maybe the better, more explosive fighter, and to get a decent price at 115, got to take it. Yeah, absolutely. So... I think that's going to be a wrap for our UFC talk, um, which leads us into our continuation of our NFL previews. Finishing of our NFL previews. Yeah. The last two divisions we have to go, we're going to talk AFC and NFC West. We're going to start it in the AFC as usual, and with the Los Angeles Chargers, last year 5-11, and 11, uh, not their height, actually what they finished, and... Who do you? I mean, lots of changes. Obviously, Philip Rivers is gone. The big news kind of came out today that Tyrod Taylor is going to start Week One. Yeah, and you know the funny thing is, I was watching. I, so I slept like crap last night. I woke up during the night and watched the last two episodes of Hard Knocks and got caught up. Um, was really interesting to watch too. Um, you know, in that they saw some flashes from Herbert yeah. that they really liked. Uh, this is a team that when you look at the talent. It's really good. Unfortunately, they just lost maybe their best overall player on their team. Um, A lot of people are saying that he could be safety one in the NFL. He's that good in Derwin James going down with a knee injury. He's going to miss the entire season. Uh, Really sad to see because he's suffered some injuries in his past already. Um, 
I really I really hate to see that. Um, but I am I am excited about some of the other players on that defense. Adding Kenneth Murray to Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. Yeah. To me that that defense is nasty. And they did a lot to boost this old line, which had problems last year. I think some of it is Philip Rivers just clinging to the ball. But Trey Turner coming in, Brian Bulaga coming in should help that. Chris Harris coming in at corner should help that a little bit too. Linvel Joseph coming in. I mean, this this team really went out and got a lot of guys to help, uh, which is a really bit you know a, a bit of a younger team now. Yeah, and you know Tyrod Taylor does the right things. He makes the right decisions. Um, yeah. He has a really nice deep ball. Yeah, uh, I, I look forward to watching his connection with Mike Williams, uh, who is prior to his shoulder injury in camp, which has cost him a couple of weeks. Um, nothing too serious, but he'll be ready for week one. It seems um, that guy goes up and gets everything, man. He yeah. is he is a beast at the jump ball, and uh, that's going to be a great downfield target. And then you got Keenan Allen running the the slick routes that he runs. Um, also, the addition of Chris Harris on the defensive side of the ball, too. Yeah. It's a big upgrade at the corner position. There's a lot to like about this Chargers group. Yeah, I, I love their wide receivers. I think Keenan Allen's one of the best. Mike Williams is very good, very explosive. And I like K.J. Hill, too. Like, mm-hmm. he's, he's nice. Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson, pretty solid running back tandem. And you had Joshua Kelly to that mix. So I, I think there's a lot to, to like about this team. Uh, they're in a tough division with the Chiefs, obviously, being the top of it. Uh, but five and five and eleven last year. Let's take a look at what their over unders listed at right now. The uh, I just went to S to try to find them for San Diego, but it's at seven and a half. So you know they see you know, the bookmakers see it as well. Them getting two games better than they were last year. Uh, so over seven and a half is actually minus one forty five for them, which is. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. So, on to the next team. In... The Raiders. Yep. The Raiders last year, 7-9, and nine, uh, a team that had its ups and downs throughout the season, had a couple guys emerge as, as big night players and added a bunch of fun guys in the draft. Uh, some of our favorite guys went in there. Uh, just to quickly run down the draft, guys, Henry Ruggs, wide receiver from Alabama, is awesome. Damon Arnett, the corner from Ohio State. You got two more wide receivers in Lynn Bowden from Kentucky and Brian Edwards from South Carolina. Who has had an amazing camp. Yeah. And then Tanner Muse, the linebacker from Clemson, who's just a winner and may play a little bit of hybrid safety linebacker role for him. And then John Simpson, the guard for Clemson, and Amik Robertson, the cor- another corner uh, from Louisiana Tech. So just a great draft. They didn't have any pick after the fourth round. Those were all w- round one, three, or four, and just really went after it in this year's draft. I'm a big fan of uh, some of Peterman. what they've done. No. <laughs> yeah, no. You, those, those are guys. I was, a, I was a big fan when he was the Bills quarterback. <laughs> Stop. That was awesome. <laughs> so um, we've got Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, Lynn Bowden, um, you know, and then you've got the other assets they still have, Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs. Derek Carr is steady. He does a nice job at quarterback. He's, he can have big games. He's I, had big games. I really like their offensive line in front of him. Um, anchored by our boy Richie Incognito. He is our boy, too. Though. Yeah. Gabe Jackson's always been a favorite of mine. Remember yeah. when he came out, I was a huge fan. You were. Um, so, yeah, I think this team's great on offense. The defense, they have some guys, but 
you know, where can they put it all together to really be good? And by the way, I don't want to, I don't want to overshadow completely the addition of Jason Witten, who's going to be there to help, you know, develop Darren Waller further yeah. in his route running skill, his run blocking skill. You know, I think adding Witten as an inline tight end option for them uh, when they want to run double tight sets and and have. Uh, that power run game with Jacobs, and then look to go over the top with Ruggs or Edwards. You know, those are nice additions. Um, but, yeah, some of the additions on, on defense, Corey Littleton, yeah. um, really nice linebacker. Nick Kwiatkowski, um, he, he's going to be a nice they, – they really needed to address that. And then they just added a, a two-down linebacker from the Dolphins um, in Raquan McMillan. He's um, on the exempt list for some reason right now. Uh, it could be covid yeah, he's Might not something like he's that. not listed as opted out, but he's on the exempt he'll, list. So he'll maybe. be participating, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, yeah, I think they're pretty excited about that addition. Um, you know, they added Malik Collins up inside to help with. Um, you know, you've got Cleland Farrell that they, that they had there. Um, Damon Arnett, one of our guys from the draft, that helped basically push me over the top in winning that. Yeah, in that draft day pool, yeah. which people were bitter about, by the way. They started complaining a little bit that I was... I don't know. Whatever. Damon's good. Um, Damon Arnett was a nice nice choice there for them. Um, so, they, they even uh, let Amukamara let go. Yeah. So, they I, must like some of those guys. You know? So, here's the thing with this, this team, and, you know, I didn't mention it when we're talking about the Chargers, but I'll mention it now. What are my big things when we're talking season-long projections, especially in football? What divisions do you play? So the AFC West has the joy of playing the AFC East, which isn't very tough. I mean, you have the Dolphins, who you're not really sure what you're going to get, who they're even going to put out there at quarterback. You have the Jets, who look like a complete tire fire, as all reports from training camp are. Uh, You have the Bills, who were good last year, but not unbeatable by any stretch. And then you have the Patriots who've come down off their mountain. So those are all winnable games for these teams. And but then you have the you play the NFC South. You're playing the Panthers who aren't aren't going to be pushed over down a little bit. Yeah. And but then you got to play the Saints. You got to play the Buccaneers who we just talked about just landed Leonard Fournette and the Falcons. And then you got to play the Falcons who may have been the hottest team at the end of the regular season last year. So yeah, you got to try to go two and two against the NFC opponents, and then three and one against yep. the AFC opponents. You know, and that's kind of what they need to look at for for their target. Everybody wants needs to go like five and three against those two divisions. So yeah, um, it, it should actually it's not that bad of a draw for them. It's not great, but it's okay. You know, they've got a they've got a good opportunity to succeed there. Um, and I don't I don't find that the West behind Kansas City. I think all three of those teams are kind of interchangeable. Yeah, uh, I think it's wide open as well. You can see with some of the records, and as we get to the project projections as well, the Raiders are, are also at seven and a half regular season wins, so right along the same baseline of being good. Does yeah. anybody want to guess what Denver's at? Uh, could we go on a limb at seven and a half? It's seven and a half. Oh man, and that I know what I'm betting you, there. Yeah, that that tells you just how uh, like. Everybody's the same there. They're all look like they have some talent, could be okay, but nothing that really pops off the chart with these teams. So, um, on to the Denver Broncos. 
the Denver Broncos, which if you listen to my our, our fantasy draft podcast, you kind of heard some of my thoughts about the Broncos come out uh, last year, before we get too far ahead of us. He's a hater. 7-9 and nine last year. Started the year with Joe Flacco. Went to Drew Locke. And yes, I am a certified hater of the Denver Broncos team. Yeah, his his big thing is Drew Locke not really sold on him. No. Let me take the opposing argument here with you for a minute, Tom. Go. His weapons last year were not wonderful. Sure. Outside of Cortland Sutton, who was a really talented wide receiver, there was not a whole lot there to be excited about. This season, in the draft, they added Jerry Judy, the one, my number one receiver on yeah. my board. Most people's, yeah. Yeah. K.J. Hamler, explosive as all get-out, Swiss Army knife kind of guy, can do a lot of things, be involved in jet sweeps and screen passes, and explosive player. Part of the return game, too, I imagine. And the fastest tight end in the draft in Albert Aquabuna uh, out of Missouri. So they went to town to get some weapons in here, and I think that this is going to be pretty... You're going to see growth if Drew Locke is any good. If he stinks, yeah. then there's those guys aren't going to matter. Then we'll get to see Jeff Driscoll. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yuck. So, um, you know, they didn't go out. They certainly didn't make much effort to try and get a, uh, somebody in there to, to no. back him up. They wanted. I think it's a confidence play. They, yeah. wanted, they wanted him to know that it's his team. The, the free agent signings for them are very underwhelming. We've got a long snapper. We've got a punter. Uh, and then you, you land the big fish in Melvin Gordon. And mm-hmm. it's so... Bizarre, based on their running back group. We now have Royce Freeman, Melvin Gordon, and Philip Lindsay all in the same backfield. Not a I ton mean, of some carries. of it's going that way, man. I mean, so much of the NFL is going to like that that committee and ride yeah. the hot hand kind of thing. The 49ers went to the Super Bowl doing that, you know, and they had Coleman, uh, Mostert, and Breida all Breida, getting yeah. significant touches. So uh, that may be kind of the animal that they're looking at. One thing I do like, they signed Graham Glasgow um, at right guard, and they added Lloyd Cushenberry, who we were both a fan of, yeah. coming out of LSU. So, you know... And then there's the defense. Right. You We're, have an aged defense here. No doubt. Um, yes. You know, Von Miller's been around uh, for a long time. He doesn't quite carry the same explosion he once did. Nope. Um, they gave up 19.8 points per game, 10th best in the league last year, and they were first in red zone touchdown percentage. So That's those, how you win seven games with a terrible offense. It is, yeah. I've seen it personally. <laughs> yeah, there's no question. Um, they did land five-time Pro Bowler Jarrell Casey um, in a trade. That's nice. Um, so, you know, other than that... It's the, it's I'm, the secondary. I'm, I'm not... Their secondary does not I mean... Ugh, woof. Yeah. I mean, A.J. Boye. Um, it's fine. They think that he's a better fit than Chris Harris was for, for Vic Fangio's defense. Um, Duke Dawson and Devontae Bosby. Um, you know, not great, but I, I like their safeties. Justin Simmons is good. Um, he was second-team All-Pro last year. Yeah. Um, so, that I mean, that's a nice player. Again, the the defensive side of the ball is concerning. Bradley Chubb was a highly touted prospect coming out of college. Yeah. Uh, let's see if he can produce. He's coming off an ACL injury. 
Uh, so that's a that's a big thing. If if he can come back and and be uh, an addition to that pass rush, that's going to be helpful. So I'm not. I'm not as high on Denver as I am on the other two teams in the West. I'll say that. I, I would predict Denver to finish fourth in that division. Although I do like some of the direction they're going on offense. Yeah, and uh, again, they're also at the magic seven and a half. Yeah. One of these teams has to win eight or nine. Someone's going to win six, so they just throw them all in a hat. Yeah. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I, I wanted to pick the Chargers over, right? Yeah. My concern is... If you get to three and three, and you go to the backup, Herbert. you you go to the rookie, yeah. and he makes a mistake, like rookies will, you know, make some mistakes. They lose a couple more games. Now it's all of a sudden really hard to get to eight wins. Yeah, and that's why I'm not going to go with the Chargers. I'm actually going to take the Raiders over seven and a half because I love the additions that they've made on that team. Yeah, it's in the just fun season. to root for Gruden. Isn't yeah, and fun? I like Mike Mayock. Mayock was my dude for the NFL draft. Yeah. I would much rather listen to him than listen to, listening to uh, you know, the fellas over there on ESPN. I'm not yeah. going to name any names. I like the one that rhymes with... I can't even do anything that rhymes with McShay, but I like him better <laughs> than the other guy. All right. So then we get on to some team that may have won the Super Bowl last year, if you're keeping score. The Kansas City Chiefs were 12-4. and four. Winning the Super Bowl, Pat Mahomes just crushing people's souls as they kept falling behind and coming back to win like it was the easiest thing they've ever done. Yeah. They handed out a bunch of money to their own players, wisely, I might add. Yeah. Um, and really, it seems to be business as usual, except for maybe the tailback position. Yeah, I mean, Clyde Edwards player is going to take over that job, seemingly. Yeah. Um, when, when Damian Williams opted out, it seemed like... Clyde Edwards Lair was the guy, and it's time to go. They do have Darwin Thompson, DeAndre Washington as kind of fail safes, um, which both are serviceable. Not, not nobody gonna. Yeah. So they did lose uh, Laurent Duvernay Tardif uh, due to opting out, um, and Lucas Niang, who was going to yes. be a big addition and step in this year. That's where the concern comes for me on this team. The um, O line. The O line. You know what? Are they going to be able to cobble together there on the interior of that old line to protect Mahomes and generate any kind of running game? Because that is where they become vulnerable, if you ask me. Yeah, and they do have a couple early suspensions, too. Um, Bashad Breeland, the corner, is going to be suspended for the first four games. And Mike Pennell, the D-tackle, is going to be suspended for the first two games. Uh, a couple positive tests. So... You know, but I'm, this team is so good. It's so hard to see them not winning 11, 12, 13 games. They're so good on offense. Yeah, despite any concerns that I might have, I feel like they're more vulnerable in the AFC in general, but I don't think anyone in that division is ready to to run with them. That's that's my feeling. I, I feel like they're, they are definitely going to win the West, I, you say definitely, and that's stupid to say because it's so risky to say that. More but than likely. More than likely, they're going to go ahead and win that uh, division, and I think they're vulnerable come playoff time, particularly against a team that can control the football, keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands, yeah, play great defense, and get some interior pass rush. The one... Go ahead. 
I think that those are the areas where you can you can give Kansas City a hard time this year. The one thing I would say is their their first few games it, it, they do not get off to an easy start. They have to play Houston at home. Which Houston remains to be seen how Hopkins and all that works out to their team. But then they have to go to LA, play the Chargers. They have to go to Baltimore, and then they got New England at home. It's a little difficult start for them. Well, and I'll tell you what: if you think Houston forgot about what happened last Absolutely. year, you're completely dead wrong. You know they. They got run out of the building in the second half of that game. Well, was it from the second quarter on, basically? Yeah, like mid-second You know, they quarter. jump up, what, 24 nothing or something? It, it was it should have absurd. Been, they should have gone for the kill instead of that field goal. Bill yeah. O'Brien again and his wisdom. Yeah. And, unfortunately, it's, I, I feel like that team is better than people are giving them credit for. The Texans? The Texans. Yeah, that, they're really you know, good. And that's a group that I think is... They're going to be motivated as all hell for that game. So I'm looking to fade KC week one, depending on where that line comes. Yeah. If that line falls like near double digits, I'm going to take the Texans. Yeah. So just to make sure we're all up on the date, Kevin and I are both taking the Chiefs <laughs> to win yeah. the AFC West. Kevin, for his uh, over-under favorite, he's taking the Raiders over 7.5. And, and Tom, continuing tradition of hating on the Broncos, is taking Denver under 7.5. That's right. And now we're on to the NFC West. Yeah. Uh, maybe the most fun division. I know we talked about it a little bit before. This, all these teams are going to be super fun to watch this year. Three of them were close to playoff contenders last season with winning records. And if we start with the 5-10-1 Arizona Cardinals, uh, a team that I cannot wait to see them on the field and see kind of what becomes of them and how this offense looked year two of Kyler Murray, year two of Cliff Kingsbury, adding DeAndre Hopkins, Kenyon Drake going to be there from the get-go. And, you know, here's something that I think is uh, worth thinking about. Season two for Patrick Mahomes um, made a run at the MVP award. I can't yeah. recall. if he, I don't think he won it, but he, he, yeah, he did I think win he it. did win it. Yeah, yeah in his Fitty, season. Fitty some right? touchdowns. Um, Season two, Lamar Jackson, MVP. Guess whose season two it is that had a great season and now has all that talent loaded around him again? It's Kyler Murray. Yeah, preach to me. I keep drafting him in fantasy. So. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I feel like this is something that people could very uh, – you can overlook it. You can very very likely overlook the season that he had on a 5-10-1 football team. And I want to talk about the defense for a minute because we know the offense is going to be fun to watch, explosive, could be nuts. But they did a lot of work on this defense, both in the draft and through free agent signings. They signed Jordan Phillips from Buffalo as a D-tackle, Devin Kennard at linebacker, Devondre Campbell at linebacker, and Trayvon Coley at D-tackle. Not being satisfied with that, they went and got Isaiah Simmons, who might end up being the best player in the draft Mm -hmm. at outside linebacker. He can do literally everything. Then they went and got uh, Leaky Futu, from Utah, Rashard Lawrence from LSU, and Evan Weaver from Cal just loaded up on defensive players and options and sprinkled in a giant tackle in Josh Jones. Yeah. So, you know, Josh, you know how I felt about Josh Jones. Yeah. Everybody knows how I felt about Josh <laughs> yeah. Jones. I hope he doesn't suck because it'll make me look like an asshole. But <laughs> I, I really feel like he's going to be, he's going to develop into the, the best tackle out of that class. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll, even as a Dolphins fan that has Austin Jackson there, <laughs> that's going to start day one at left tackle. I got I still like Josh Jones more. Um, yeah, everything that this team did in the offseason, 
lends itself to a, a group that should step forward, right? They, yes. They, they've got to step forward. The but only... their division is brutal. <laughs> their division's brutal. They're playing the, the uh, NFC West is playing the AFC and NFC East this year. So you got a mixed bag. We just talked about the AFC East a little bit. You got a couple team, you know, one team in the Jets that just seems like they're going to be really bad. A team in the Dolphins that you're not quite sure what you're going to get. And two teams in the Bills and Patriots that will probably hover around that 10 win mark. Um, again, 9, 10 wins, somewhere in there for those two. And then the NFC East, who knows what you're going to get. The, Red, the Washington football team uh, don't look like anything special. Uh, the Cowboys look pretty good on paper, but, you know, that always ends up not working out for them. And then the... I Yeah, it didn't work out for them under Jason Garrett. I, true. I, I feel like there, there could be a, a seismic shift there um, with that with that group. I've been listening to some reports that I'm hearing out there. I heard two different guys that I that I respect today tell me that it, not tell me but you know I listen to say that the they think that the Dallas Cowboys are the best team in full, in the NFC right now. Um and even the report aside you have the Eagles who don't have any wide receivers remaining right. apparently and then the Giants who are you know a middling team maybe on the come up but their come up might be 7 8 wins. Yeah. Yeah. So not a lot of friction out there, but their division is so tough. We're going to get to all those teams next, and they're just brutally hard. They all play good. Every one of them had a winning record last year, uh, which is insanely tough. Yeah. And the Arizona Cardinals, what do you think their over-under is? Seven and a half? Seven and a half it is. <laughs> so seven and a half again for the Cardinals. And, I mean, that's where I would see them. I, I believe they're going to be winning a lot of those AFC East games and NFC East games to keep their their record up against when they lose a bunch of these games against in the division that are going to be so tough. I don't I don't even know that they'll lose. But I think they're going to surprise some of those teams. In the oh league. yeah, I don't think I, they're going to zero for six. I, I, you know, I think this is very possible that they go two and four, three and three in, yeah. in division. It, you know, it's hard to find three wins against those three opponents. But if you swept the the, the upcome the Rams, who I think we're going to talk about next. Yeah. I think they can beat the Niners. I don't think the Niners did great last year, but if you look at their wins, I don't feel like the Niners are the kind of team that's just going to coast to another. We'll get to them. I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs) Rams. Rams it is. Sean McVay and the Rams were 9-7 last year. You know, kind of had a lot of ups and downs as they they kind of toyed around with their offense midseason and made some changes and Got some interesting things happening on the offensive side of the ball as far as that goes. Uh, the usual cast of characters, Goff is back. The the very nice wide receiver group of Cup and Woods and Reynolds, they're all back with Van Jefferson being added to it. He's been featured on Hard Knocks as being yeah. insanely good. They, McVay keeps talking about how good he's been, better than any of the rookies that he has. Like yeah. he, they, Van Jefferson is the son of Sean Jefferson, who's been a wide receivers coach and, and a member of the NFL for a long time. This guy knows what he's doing out there, and he's yeah. making guys, he, he's he's making other twos and threes yeah. look silly. Let's see how he does against ones. I, I did see him, you know, kind of get he he got embarrassed a little bit by Jalen Ramsey uh, on the coming. latest episode, but um, this is a fun. Tyler Higby took a big step forward late in the season. And, and you still got Gerald Everett there, who's another yeah. solid tight end. The running backs are a little bit of a question mark. Uh, not from a talent standpoint, necessarily, but who's going to be the guy? Seemed like Daryl Henderson had the upper hand, but now Cam he, Akers is looking good. Henderson might not play, and Malcolm Brown 
was getting work with their ones this week and their scrimmages. So yeah, I think Malcolm Brown has the trust factor of the coaches. Uh, Akers and Henderson are both more explosive, more fun, more exciting. Yeah. But uh, so that'll be interesting. And then the defense is—they have so many big impact players. Where I always like get—I take offense as a Bills fan sometimes because the Bills defense gets kind of shafted. Where maybe their their goal hold defense is much better than the sum of their or the, the parts. Right? You got a lot of good players, but they make a great defense because they play well together. The Rams are just full of studs everywhere. Uh, Aaron Donald's probably the best defensive player in football. Uh, Jalen Ramsey's one of the top two, three, four corners in football. And they're all on the same team, and they make a lot of plays. Here's my uh, apprehension. Go. Every time Wade Phillips leaves a defense, they get worse. Fact. Every time. It's it's historically seen. Anytime a son of bum leaves. Absolutely. (laughs) When Wade Phillips leaves running a defense, they get worse. This team has a ton of talent, but they're going to take a step back. Yeah. And schematically making a change like that, Wade Phillips knows what he's doing as well as anyone in the in the sport. And I don't know why they decided to move on from him. I think they just wanted to get younger and more relatable to the players, maybe. I don't know. They hired a 37-year-old kid from uh, Brandon Staley. Um, it's his first job as a coordinator in the NFL. Um you know, and he's going to keep the three four, um, but we'll see. You know how that shakes out. I'm I'm not entirely sold that this defense is going to improve. Yeah, I think that they're going to remain where they are or take a step back. I'm not sold that the offense got any better. No, and I don't know if the offense. I think they need to be more efficient. I think when you when you watch some Rams games from last season, I've been checking a lot of them out on the NFL Network, and. There was just some drives where it didn't seem like they knew what they wanted to do. They'd go out there and have a really nice drive, mixing up these short passes to Woods and Cup, who are making plays with the ball, getting it to Gurley, who's who's ripping off runs. And then they'd come back, and all of a sudden they're in two tight end sets, and they try to run it with Gurley straight up the middle, and he goes nowhere. They try it again, nowhere, and then they're forced to do a third and long. And it seemed like they, they were caught in between what they wanted to do. Um, I think maybe having some identity could lead to just better play and more consistency out of that offense. I'm concerned the running game's not going to be that great, you know, and and, and that causes problems no matter yeah. what organization you are. If you can't run the ball, it, it makes it really difficult to be successful. That nine wins <laughs> last year, nine and seven, and the over unders at eight and a half. Yep, eight and a half. You know, again, seems to be about where you would expect them to be. Nothing really surprising. Again, a tougher division to be in. So let's take a look at the rest of this with the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle yeah. Seahawks were a very good 11-5 and football team. Uh, just down the stretch, again, injuries, injuries, injuries. Uh, they've made a couple big additions in Jamal Adams. Yeah. Uh, coming to them. And then uh, the Clowney, he's gone. Jadavion Clowney hadn't... Uh, and didn't resign. He's still a free agent, actually, as we speak, which is yeah. kind of crazy to think about. Uh, what do you see with Seattle? I don't like their offensive line. I don't. I, you know, they they tried to remake it with Brandon Shell, who was not very good. Uh, Chance Warmack, um, okay. Yeah, he's alright. Uh, Chance Warmack actually opted yeah, out. I was just gonna say so he opted out. Doesn't matter now. Um, you've got Upati. Uh, who's you know he's been around for a long time, he's very good, right. but he can't stay healthy. 
Um, I do love Damian Lewis. Um, I think he's a great road grader, but I'm concerned about his pass protection skill set. That's what we talked about a little bit there. I they don't they don't pass protect for Russell anyway. I, I It works better if you don't. But the, you know, and Jermaine Effetti is the guy that left. They're going to replace him with Shell, and I didn't think Shell was that good. So yeah, it, it, I I'm not a big fan. Um, but the rest, Lane Brown's the only one returning. Yeah, but everything else is is pretty good. The rest of the offense is good. Russell Wilson is one of the top QBs. I love Chris Carson. Chris Carson's good. They um, added Carlos Hyde to kind of be a little backup for him with DK Rashad Metcalf Penny was great as a rookie. Yeah, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf finally gives him a one-two, and then you have guys like Philip Dorsett, Paul Richardson who can come in and make plays for them. Uh, Will Disley and Jake Olsen. And Craig Olson, man, they have three tight ends. I'd like to have on my team. Yeah, not and none of them are Luke Wilson. No offense, right? Um, you know, it's the offense is going to be fine because Russell Wilson's the yes. Uh, they have playmakers uh, and Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's the most consistent quarterback in the NFL. He consistently does exactly what you'd expect him to do with less talent around him than other people do. Yes. I think that if you put Russell Wilson in the environment of Patrick Mahomes, you get similar outcome. Yeah. He's just so talented. He's so good at what he does. He makes great decisions. 31 touchdowns and five picks last year with no one blocking for him. (laughs) And receivers that are okay. You know, Uh, the, the guy is just immensely talented and... I wish that he had a better supporting cast around him. His window of opportunity is still there for another five yeah. years in his yeah. career. Five, six, seven years in his career. He's not that old. He's He's got an opportunity still to be very successful. Um, I hope that at some point they get some reasonable players around like him. Like to see a good run, huh? Yeah. Uh, because he, he's the kind of guy you can root for. Yeah. I love their linebackers. Yeah? As crazy as that sounds, I love their linebackers. Bruce Irving, Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright. They added Jordan Brooks this year. Shaquem Griffin is awesome. Like, I love... I didn't even mention Cody Barton. Like, I love their linebackers. Yeah. That is such a good group. And then they add Jamal Adams. At safety. At safety. He's great. I don't... So great. Regardless of all the the, the shit in New York, he is a great football player. I think we have to take a step back. And anything you hear out of the New York Jets football team this year... Take it with a grain of salt. They are in just complete meltdown. The Adam GM Gase. doesn't like the Gase. Gase doesn't like any of the players he has. It's just a, it's a mess. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Quentin Dunbar's a good corner. Jamal Adams at safety. They're, they're solid in the secondary. They oh, The defense is the strong point Pete of this Pete Carroll team. will never have a bad secondary. Right. I'm convinced that he's a very good secondary coach. If you look at him at USC, very good. It's time here. And it, feel, it always feels to me like... Um, the defensive side of the ball, particularly now, I think teams are building more from the secondary forward. Yeah, it's no longer as much about finding the best pass rushers in the league. It's about finding guys who can rush the passer or push the pocket or set the edge, um, and then having great players along that back line uh, that can help you. Because if your guys can't cover for two and a half seconds, you're in big trouble. <laughs> yeah. So, These quarterbacks get rid of the ball so fast. Yeah. Now. And uh, I, I think the, the Seahawks are built the right way. What's their over-under, Tom? Uh, one second. got to get in there. I actually can probably get to it pretty quick, too. Yeah, nine and a half. Nine and a half. Uh, again, it, it's 
these over-unders for a lot of these teams are exactly where you want They make it difficult on you. <laughs> Vegas gives nothing. No, they never do. But I think I think if you have to, if you were going to your head, do you think Seattle's going to win nine or less or ten or more? I would go ten. I just think that close games, I want Russell Wilson. And if you play enough close games, he's going to get enough of those wins. Uh, I won't even bury the lead. I'm picking the Seahawks to go over nine and a half. I'm also picking the Seahawks to win the division. So I'm not even going to wait for the 49ers conversation. I'll tell you my take on the 49ers. (laughs) But, yeah, this to me is um, I I love the Seahawks group aside from the offensive line. So you take that offensive line out of the picture, I love everything about this team, including their quarterback, who is miles and miles ahead of the starting quarterback of the team that won this division last year, Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers. You can't talk about Jimmy Garoppolo anymore. I'll take that over. <laughs> um, so here's what we got. 49ers, 13-3 and last year. Uh, just a, a kind of great season. Out of, I don't want to say out of nowhere. They were pretty good the year before. But really just winning game after game after game. And a lot of them, they were blowing people out, just running the doors off them in the second half literally running with a lot of emphasis on the running there. Uh, and they're very good very good football team, good defense that plays smart and physical, and they got one of the Bosa brothers, so you know how that goes. They just chase people and knock them down. But they have a couple really big fundamental problems. Jimmy Garoppolo is an average quarterback. He's he's good. He'll, he'll win you some games. He'll keep you in them. But they run the ball. That's what they do well. And their wide receivers are nothing that I get excited about. Dante Pettis, okay. Brandon Ayuk is a rookie. I mean, who, who here are you? Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel is toast. Who's coming off a foot injury. He right? might not play the first six weeks. They have to this weekend to decide whether or not to put him on the IR designated to return. But he hasn't practiced yet. So i am not a big fan of the what the offense can do the defense will keep them in games their defense is very good very physical i get all of that but the nfl is an offensive league i follow a guy named rob louder on twitter uh he's a beat writer for the 49ers and uh, he shared a video that had trent williams which is a nice addition to that offensive line yeah absolutely mauling eric armstead so, I don't want you 49ers fans to think I hate the, the organization. It's not that. I think I love what they've done with a lot of that team. I don't like their quarterback. I don't think he's any good. I think that he's, he's propped up by the talent around him, the running game around him. He, I watched him miss too many open throws over the course of the season huh. and, and, and wouldn't count on him. So, uh, but I do like a lot of the other pieces on this team. On the defensive side of the ball, uh, I think yes. that I think that you know the trade of DeForest Buckner was interesting. Um, you know they felt like they have enough guys inside that they were able to make a a, a valuable trade for them. Um, but Nick Bosa is one of the best pass rushers in the league. D Ford can get after the passer. Eric Armstead it does a great job getting after the passer. Um, Richard Sherman's a little long in the tooth at this point but still very talented, still very good at what he does. You know, Javon Kinlaw 
tremendous addition to the interior. That's basically what they ended up getting for DeForest Buckner, right? Also, um, the best burn of, of training camp for any team in the in the league. Oh yeah, he. Uh, some oh Garoppolo came up. Garoppolo came up uh, like in between plays said. I'm gonna make a pass at your girlfriend because you're a rookie. I guess you're to a make rookie. A pass yeah. at your girlfriend. And Kinlaw said you'll probably overthrow that too. I saw the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and then Fisticuff started created in the O line and D line. Yeah, the O line got pissed about it and went after. What a great burn! Yeah. Oh, it's so good. By the way, I'm not going after Javon Kinlaw. No, absolutely not. I mean, if I was an O line in the NFL, I might. I don't know. Even they're six, pretty big. I could be six seven three twenty. Might be a little concerned because of the <laughs> explosiveness <laughs> yeah. of Javon Kenlaw. Yeah. Uh, that's a great addition, by the way. Yes, Javon awesome. Kenlaw, a great addition. Um, strength of strength. This is again a, a team that I feel like is going to have a good season. They're they're a, they are absolutely a good football team, right? I think they take a little step back. I think ten and a half. Over under is too high. I have uh, that's my pick. I have the under ten and a half for the Niners. I yeah. they could win ten. Yeah, but that and you still win. I right. I think that you have to think that they were playing a softer schedule. It, this happens a lot to teams who finally make it to the top and win that division. It's one of my concerns about uh, my beloved Buffalo Bills. Now that they're playing that second place schedule, the Niners have to play all the division winners in their in their conference. Not to mention they. There is, there has been a Super Bowl hangover effect for the losers Loser, of Super Bowl yes. historically. Um, this will be. They do get a soft start to the season. Holy cow! But I, I again feel like Seattle and Arizona are both going to be tough outs for them. First of all, Arizona plays them tough all the time anyway. Yeah. Um, the Rams. The Rams. I, I don't have a ton of faith in, but I think there's a real possibility they could go three and three in their own division, and. If you go three and three in your own division, that means you've got to go eight and two against the rest of the NFL to get to eleven wins. Yeah, I mean they they really padded their stats against uh, some bad teams last year in bad games, right? So the NFC, the AFC North minus the Ravens were terrible. They steamrolled the Bengals. They beat they barely beat the Steelers. They beat them by four. Sands Ben Roethlisberger. They laid waste to the Browns, which. You know, Browns were not any good. And they lost to the Ravens. I mean, none of those wins are very impressive. Then they played the NFC South. They beat up on the Buccaneers, who were not very good last year. They beat the Panthers, who were a mess midseason last season. Uh, they beat the Saints in probably one of their best performances, winning 48-46 to at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And, and then they lost to the Falcons at home. They lost to the Falcons. Um, ended up against the... Rams. They beat the Rams both times. They lost to the Seahawks the first game and barely survived a trip to Seattle to win the division. Yeah, the guy got tackled at the goal line. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is not a team that... How'd the Cardinals do against them last year? Uh, The Cardinals lost both times, but they they lost by three in the first game. Cardinals lost by three, and in the second game lost by ten. So, again, not far off. And that's going to be a much improved Cardinals team this year. So I think you just when you look at, it, I mean, they they beat up on bad teams. They beat the Re- the Washington football team now nine nothing. Yeah, nine nothing. That yeah, was teams, a horrible they weather were game, right? Terrible, horrible weather game though. But for a power run team, they should have done more. Yeah. Again, I think that we're on the, the same page here. I'm Seahawks to win the division. Seahawks over nine and a half. 
you are going to be. I have. Uh, I mean, it's the same same story, different way. I have the Seahawks to win it as well, and 49ers under ten and a half. I again, I think the 49ers are a good team. They need a couple of playmakers on offense. Maybe Brandon Ayuk's that guy, and you know he makes enough plays to kind of fill in until Debo Samuel is back. I just I don't see it. Yeah, and that's going to wrap this episode of the Hammered Sports that Podcast. Um, I think we had a lot of great content here tonight, hey, Tom? Absolutely. And next week is big time. College football weekend. We got oh. the NFL opening weekend. So many things to talk about just with that. We got the NBA playoffs are still going. NHL playoffs are still going. Baseball only has a few weeks left. Yeah. Uh, th- this is the last week for golf. We've got a little bit of a, the PGA Safeway Open next week, and then after that is the U.S. US Open. U.S. Open, and Two months later, we get Masters, so, so that's not dead yet. Heating um, up. Can I get a quick recap of our wagers, Tom? I want to just make sure that we, we know exactly what we went through tonight. Uh, a busy night tonight, too, with as far as wagers. So, for PGA Tour, uh, where did we go? Okay, so I have Patrick Reed, top 10, and DeChambeau, top 5. Kevin, you have Billy Horschel and Berger, both top 5 and top 10. For college foosball which is great just to be able to talk about, guys. Uh, Kevin, you are on the Army, Middle Tennessee, under 55.5, and I'm on BYU, minus 1.5. We got a couple UFC fights. We're actually on the scene for two of them. Piera and OSP, we're both on those guys. And you're on Ottoman Azatov. (laughs) And then the football, I'm on Denver, under 7.5, and Niners, under 10.5. Kevin on Raiders over 7.5 and Seattle over 9.5. And I've noticed this trend. You seem to go a lot with the overs. You like to bet teams you like, and I seem to bet a lot of unders. I'm betting against the teams I don't like. And in general, you're on the better side of that. People generally win more by by betting teams they don't like. Um, But, you know, I can't help it. It's so hard when you're looking at these season (laughs) previews to not go, damn, I like that team. Yeah. It looks they look really good. I always feel more confident in the teams I don't like. Well, I don't You're like a pessimist them. by nature, though. Yeah, I'm know, a doubting so Thomas. Absolutely. I got this name for, for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks again for a great episode. We'll be back with you next week with a really fun one. Make sure you tune in. Yeah. See ya.